Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. What if I told you that selling encyclopedias door-to-door could eventually lead you to a job at the Today Show? Would you believe me? Well, you should, because that's exactly what happened to my guest today. Now listen, I'm not saying that it would absolutely happen to you in the same way it happened to her, but my point is that when we're in the early days, when we're taking those steps, no matter how mundane, no matter how painful at times, you never know what they can turn into and what can come from them. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab podcast. My name is Rain Bennett, and I'm your host, and this is episode 126. Today, my guest is Patrice Poltzer. Patrice is a Gracie Award-winning journalist whose work can be seen on NBC, Time, CNN, HuffPost, and she's also a former Today Show producer. But currently, she is the founder of Patrice Poltzer Creative, a New York-based video storytelling agency that helps people like me and you, small to medium businesses, solopreneurs, etc., find their unfair advantage through video storytelling. Here's the thing, working at a big place like the Today Show and understanding what how big brands maneuver, she says, and this is the first time I heard it broken down like this, she says, when we're small brands, we try to emulate and pretend like we're bigger than we are. We try to emulate the big brands. But what's really going on behind the scenes now that people are craving authenticity and wanting to to relate to the people that they buy from and that help them, that serve them, is that the big brands try to pretend that they're smaller. They want what you have as a small creator, as a small business owner, because that's you are closer to your audience. You are closer to your customer. And it's so weird psychologically how we trick ourselves to thinking like, oh, well, if we want people to take us seriously, then we need to you know, pretend like we're bigger and better and have more accolades and yada, 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 when it's really about just keeping it real, speaking directly to the hearts of your audience. And that's what the big brands try to do now with their with their brand storytelling is act like they're down to earth and they're so relatable, right? You know what I'm talking about. Stop trying to do what they do. Figure out what you do very well and uniquely from anyone else in your field and use video storytelling to communicate that. That is what we talked about in this conversation, and she is someone who has done the work. So here's my conversation with Patrice Poltzer, and I hope that you love it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now, here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. 
I know a lot of the listeners to the show are public speakers or they want to become public speakers, but the problem that many experienced and aspiring professional speakers face is that they simply don't have the time to grow their business the way they would like. And look, I get it. I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. That's why I started using the team at Virtual Campfires to provide me with leads to events and conferences that are a good fit for my message. So they send me all the relevant details I need to immediately reach out and start a conversation with those decision makers. And they've worked with hundreds of speakers to provide tens of thousands of event leads, and it's easy to see why. Outsourcing this time-consuming step has saved me hours and hours of scanning Google and lets me go faster towards my goal of more events, more audiences, and more impact. All you need to do is email leads at virtualcampfires.com to see how their lead subscription business can help you the same way it's helped me. Again, that's leads at virtualcampfires.com. Let them help you tell more great stories and get paid for it. We don't know each other that well, but I mean, we know I've you know seen your account, and like I said, I, I picked up on your vibe pretty quickly, and, and I think we had reached out a little bit. Um, but uh, in doing my research, I've seen a lot more similarities. So I'm really excited to talk to you, kind of selfishly, because I've seen a lot of parallels in our journeys, yeah. um, and some of the language you've used on your website uh, made me feel seen. <laughs> and slightly attacked maybe but more seen um so yeah i'm happy to chop it up with you and learn a, lo a lot more about your journey and the things that you learn along the way the first <laughs> the first thing uh i have i'm looking down at my notes and i have a star by this one you said uh you are a professional late bloomer uh on your website and uh that struck me as one so I want to start there. I want to learn a little bit more about what that means yeah and also like dive into that a little bit because I'm noticing a significant amount of my audience that actually it seems to be growing that's struggling with that sort of thing. And God knows I have of like, Oh, it's, I'm too late. Yes. Oh, I, it's too late to reinvent myself. It's too late yeah. is really the, 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 you know, the, the gist of it. Um, but let's talk about like, it, you know, is it too late to be a late bloomer? Can you reinvent yourself? Is there anything wrong with it? And there's another piece and then I'll shut up. Yeah, and you're I love your little story, like you're about uh, about me, like kind of story map that you had. Yeah, the timeline. Yeah. yeah, the timeline was really was really great. And there was one other part that I really identified with and empathized with, which was watching your friends like take off into corporate jobs. Oh god. Oh my god, when I was an intern at 29 and uh I barely entered. Yeah, no, I mean so and look, and I think especially now with social media, you know, there's this constant low drum message that tells you wrongly that you're late or everyone's already doing it. Everyone's already done it. See, you can see all the people on your feed that are currently doing it. So, you know, I think now more than ever too, there's this like message, unfortunately, that I think actually prohibits a lot of people from probably going after what they really want to go after because it's already been done. Um, and kind of to go back to what you're talking to about the, the late bloomer, I, look, I was extremely lost in my 20s. That's a very common narrative. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm from Chicago. I'm from the Midwest. You know, in, you know, the, you, you, there's, a, there's a clear path. You know, you graduate from college. You, like, move to the city. You know, you get that job. And then you just, like, crank it, you know, and you, and you crawl up. And then, you know, you, you, you hang out with all your home friends. And maybe you marry your college sweetheart. I mean, it's, look, it's a, it's, it's a path. <laughs> It's a, it's a clear cut path that a lot of people follow. But the, the issue was that I wasn't, that path never sp spoke to me. And so as a result, you know, I ended up selling books door to door. They were not Bibles. <laughs> they were not religious books, but I ended up selling books for three years after college because I was just, just did not know what I wanted to do. And so were, were they like encyclopedias? What, yes, what were they? Yeah. 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 Okay. And it was like one of those scary jobs where you're like literally like dropped off in the, you know, some small town and you're like, go and it's hundred percent commission. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it could have been like Cutco knives. Oh. It could have been exciting. <laughs> and you know, and after a while, you know, you, you get rejected, like, um, like literally like door slammed in your face, you know, different things don't seem as scary, but yeah. So dur during my twenties, I just sort of watched a lot of my friends, you know, kind of climb the corporate ladder. And, and I really didn't like figure out what my, path was and, and by the way that wasn't even the right path until I was almost 30 
um, you know, I, was, I, I, I just, I had a really slow burn and eventually when I did, you know, get into, I, I got into traditional media. So I ended up getting an internship in a local TV station and then I ended up getting, you know, an internship actually um, abroad at CNN. And once I did that, things started kind of taking off quickly. Um, and then the, 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 my most recent job, my longest stint in corporate America, I left corporate America in 2016, was I was a producer at the Today Show for six years. And then prior to that, I was at Bloomberg TV for a year. So I, I got my way there. But honestly, it wasn't until I hit 30. So the ages of like between 30 and 35, like I really kind of kicked it into high gear, 30 to 34. But um, it's you know, it was hard. It was kind of hard watching all your friends, you know, get married, get engaged, like, you know, get promotions and you somehow internalizing that thinking there's something wrong with me. Like, what did I do wrong? And I'm, you know, is this, is, is this just what it's going to be? Um, and so, yeah, I have a soft spot, you know, and, and, and interesting because I was an intern so late in my life, um, you know, even when I was at the Today Show and all my media jobs, I had such empathy for interns because, you know, especially at TV, I don't know exactly what your background is, but, you know, some of those I was working in New York television, you know, it's pretty cutthroat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, interns can, you know, they're easy people to not pay attention to or to take for granted. And I was always like, I, I couldn't even ask an intern. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. I will do that. Like, you do not need to do that. I was so overly conscious of because I remember feeling very embarrassed you know even you know because when you're pushing 30 and people didn't know I was pushing 30 they thought I was younger and it just kind of fed into this mentality that I was too late to the game absolutely I I um I have a lot of questions that have come out of that but I I did something similar so I saw that you moved to New York I did as well in like 2010 um, and I had started like a whole life. I started a video production company here in North Carolina where I live now and where I grew up. Um, and I completely just took a left turn and, and, and moved up there and struggled for a while. And then got a, I got a job at a post-production house, a, a deluxe, deluxe entertainment okay. over on, on the West side. So they were working on a lot of the narrative, uh, shows and films that were shot in the area and basically like you know, color correction and post services. Yep. Uh, but all of my peers were like early twenties. And I kind of was like, God, why didn't I, do I coming where I come from? Like, I didn't even know that was an option to be yes. honest. And a little bit of that is my ignorance. And a lot of that is like, just not having anyone help guide me from little Washington, North Carolina. Um, but all of my peers at that job were, I was like 28, 29 and they were like 22, 23 and I, I definitely had had that feeling as well as well. So, yeah, I saw a lot of similarities uh, in our journeys and finding our paths. And then I kind of veered off and went to to, to make a film. Um, one thing I want to go back to the selling <laughs> to selling Bibles. Um, <laughs> oh God, no, so I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> For anyone that's joining late. Um, no. So uh, I I wonder if because I can only imagine there's a lot of rejection in that type of business and you're nodding your head yes um do you think that that type of rejection helps with resiliency right now you've reinvented yourself it seems several times and this whole theme we're already circling around about being a late bloomer so to speak yeah. does do you think just getting used to the door the you know shutting your face literally and figuratively um helps with that Look, I think at the time you're going through that, you know, you don't have maybe that um, right. wherewithal, right, to kind of step outside of yourself at like a 360 degree angle. But now that, you know, I'm older, now that I'm a mom, I have three young kids, you know, even my childhood was not cookie cutter, right? You know, like yeah. biological dad left my family at five, never knew him, like, you know, just not, didn't have like, you know, my parents didn't have a great marriage. So like, I think, you know, there's mental illness involved. And so I think now yeah. that I'm older and I can look back and reflect and look at some of my childhood experiences, you know, and at the time it's like, this is, I, I don't, I'm not like maybe other kids I know, or my family isn't like other families, but now that I'm an adult, I think it's such a gift. And, you know, and I know you've mentioned this in a lot of your TikTok videos, you know, you're so brilliant. And that's why I was originally attracted to your TikTok page. Like everything you were saying, I'm like, oh my God, he's in my brain. This is what I say. But it's like that resilience and it's, 
you know, I think little did I know that all those little chips and all those little kind of like knocks was prepping me for an adult when things don't go your way or yeah, you're maybe not on the path, but when you've already, when you kind of live through some stuff that isn't like nice, then some of those things don't seem as bad. So uh, yes. Mm. So longer answer to your question. Absolutely. I do believe that selling books door to door for three years straight and being very good at it, becoming good at it. I was not good at it in the beginning, but by the end of my third year, I mean, I was like, do I sell books door to door for my entire life? Like, is this what I'm supposed to do? Cause I, I was good at it, but I do think like, yeah, you just build an armor and also you just, you learn to not focus on the door slam because you know what, you just go to the next one. So it kind of preps you for that hard, tough in, that you need when you do run your own business. And when you mm -hmm. do start something that's scary, you have to have a little bit of armor. Otherwise it becomes impossible. I mean, I, I got kind of chills when you were describing that. And, and if you have seen some of my stuff and I'm pretty open, open book with my life, like, you know, without going too deep in, into it currently and taking away from the conversation, like very similar childhoods, right? Like a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, well, uh, obstacles and things to overcome. But, uh, but I really resonated with that. Uh, and did you say that I was brilliant? Did I hear you say <laughs> I did. Okay, I just wanted to bring that up again for, for anybody. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. By the way, you mentioned TikTok, which I said this on TikTok to you. I, don't know, I know you were kind of new to the platform um, or you had said you were taking a break or something like that. But like, I just really encourage you to to dedicate some more time there in, in this year uh, just because like the the opportunity is massive. I mean, your content is it's great. And obviously it resonates with people and if you've been on the fence about like fully diving into it, I'm not like being pushy here, but I'm just saying like, I highly suggest that you do oh, push me. I need it because yours you, and you don't have to create new content. Right. But like yeah. your story, I know hundred percent if you just stay consistent with it, because that's how it works, uh, will resonate with people like a hundred percent. So, um, that that's my little push for that. I think that I you'll do quite, qu quite well on it. Um, so, uh, man, I could really veer into that space of, of the, the dark forest, you know, of our stories and trudging through them. Um, that's, that might be a whole nother conversation, but it's super, it's super relevant, right? Because in anything that we're trying to accomplish, like this, this is relevant, whether it's our own stories, helping people tell theirs, et cetera. I'm curious a little bit about your position at the today show. I know you were producing, were you like mostly, uh, booking talents were you like what exactly were you doing there yeah so um i i mean in the traditional sense of producing i was responsible for pitching stories mm -hmm. i was responsible for getting my stories approved once my stories were approved i was then responsible for writing the stories um getting the talent i would often be in the field um, okay. I also did a lot of uh, producing reporting for digital. So I actually did a lot of my own stuff. So right. I, I was really involved with the refugee crisis. I embedded myself for a week with, you know, some American women that met each other online and we went to Greece and we passed out baby carriers to refugees coming in from the boats off of Turkey. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. that job runs the gamut, you know, booking guests, but I wasn't a booker in the sense, but when you're a producer, you... Uh, you wear a lot of hats and um, every day is different. I was doing live segments. Sometimes I was on the plaza. Sometimes I was, you know, in the orange room and they still had the orange room in studio, you know, like breaking news, you know, whatever, you know, you're, you're in it. So I was, it was, it was an amazing experience. And it's funny, the only reason I got that job, because I was woefully underqualified, I didn't have the background, um, was because of my door to door jobs. I swear to God, the guy that hired me, uh, who got my foot into NBC, I interviewed with him and he told me, he's like, you, he's like, you're like, it is like, you have no skills that I need. Like what I need to like fill this job at NBC is not you. But for some reason we ended up talking about, you know, he's asking me all these questions about my personal life and background and selling bookstores or came up. 
And I ended up getting this job. It wasn't, it was the job right before I got my producer job at the Today Show, but I got another producer job within the company. And we did a lot of stuff for the Today Show. And he told, he's a mentor now. Oops, sorry. He's a mentor now, but he tells me to this day, the only reason I hired you is because you sold books door to door. So it was like your ethic was there. The character was there. I could teach you how to shoot video. I could teach you how to edit. I could teach you how to like write a script, but you can't really teach that resilience of like getting knocked down. So it's so funny how life gets full circle and the lost years ended up being the reason that I got my opportunity to really hit it. It's incredible how often, like how that happens, right? And, and and when, you know, back to your point about getting the rejection, like in the moment, you don't see it, right? You don't see the end of your story. And this is actually something I've, I've, I have a, a keynote speech that I present that talks about this. It's like when you're, when you're in the middle of it, in that dark act too, it's so hard to see like the end of it. And you think that is the end of it. Yes. And if you just kind of trust the process and keep moving forward, keep turning and pivoting and doing what you have to do. Like it, it's really you get outstanding. It. It's a long game though. And I think that's yeah, sure. what we have to remember, you know, anything worthwhile and anything that has impact or anything that I think really brings you a lot of joy. It's a long game. I know it was even just a really quick story. You know, I was, I was in Mexico city for my 10 year anniversary and I was with my husband and like 12 of my friends. And it occurred to me, that I was staring at people that I've known for 20 years and I was staring at my husband who I've been married to 10 years and it was the greatest week of my life. And I kept thinking, you know what though, this is a long game. This is a long investment, like 20 years I'm here, but that's, that's 20 years it's taken right for these friendships and 10 years with my husband. And it just was sort of a reminder to me in terms of business that like business that, you know, an impact type of business or a legacy type of business, not a quick hit Instagram wonder, those are easy. It's the longer businesses that are more challenging, but it's the long game. So it's like, that keeps me motivated. Like it's okay. If this week doesn't go right, this month doesn't go right. It's the long game. Such a great point. Such a great point. And anybody that we look up to that has real success agrees. Right. And it's, it's so much more about persistence. Uh, what, what did, what did you learn about storytelling in that position? For the today when I was at. And yeah. Yeah. Like thinking about like coming into that and probably having no experience, maybe a little bit of like innate knowledge ab sure. about that because sure. you were writing, et cetera. But sure. what what lessons did you learn through that position about storytelling that that you probably apply now? Yeah, no, that's so much um, just off the top of my head. The Today Show is maniacal about their audience. So, for example, if I'm in a, if I wrote a script for a story that I'm producing and I'm in the editor room in an editor booth with my editor, everything has to get approved. So before that story airs, it goes through three layers, right? Um, and so the top layer, you know, the, the, the final stop is usually your executive producer on the show. And so the executive producer would come in and within five seconds, you know, if that is going to be on the chopping block or if he or she is going to move you forward. And many of my stories hit the chopping block because I was not in the head of the person watching the story. I was in my head, Patrice, and what I thought and like what I thought was most interesting. And it was drilled upon me over and over again that this is about that person you know, who watches the Today Show? Like, who really is that person? You know, wh what do they feel? What are they thinking when they're turning on the morning show? Is it, you know, probably chaos, the kids out the door, you're, you know, it's not like, you know, women sitting on the couch watching, you know, it's what is going on. And so it really forced me for every story to actually think about them. And it's one of the reasons why, for example, one of um, a story I actually went on to win a, a, a few awards for is this ref refugee story. Now, the Today Show is not a nightly news 60 minutes program, right? So, um, you know, whatever you might think of that for better or for worse, they're not doing hard news most of the time, you know, not really, not in depth, because that's just not the nature of the show. And that's not what the majority of people want to listen to first thing in the morning, right? But I felt really passionate about this particular refugee story. And it was right about the Syrian refugee crisis. There's no way that my boss would have ever approved. Hey, can, can I embed myself 
abroad and we do and, and do a story about the Syrian refugees, they'd be like, get get out of here. But I angled it. I angled it in a way where I knew that it was the exact perfect angle for the person watching our show. And it, it wasn't, I, it took me a few tries, but I got approval and it went on to be this wildly successful story. Yet had I pitched it, maybe the way I'm like, well, people should care about the Syrian refugees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't Americans care about what's going abroad? Like that's just ignorant. If I would have gone with that angle, I would have been like, eh, get out of here. So I had to really flip my script. And I always take that with me that whenever you're doing stories, it really is not about you, the teller. It is about the person that is watching that story and they care about themselves. They care about their life. They care about what they, you know, they, they'll give you their attention, but you better make it worthwhile their attention because they want it to matter to their life. So that was biggest takeaway that I took from working at the Today Show because they would not air anything or you couldn't get anything approved if you did not go in with that thinking Mm-hmm. because they'd be like no like get out of here we don't care what you think <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. do you remember how you like manipulated that pitch oh i to... do i do can we dive deeper into that i'm, I'm super curious because yeah, i honestly, like yeah. it's very clear clear to me why that would be hard to pitch to the today show i get it and i'm super interested in like what was yeah. the way you kind of yeah so um all right let me do cliff notes here so it, yeah. it was about 2015 mm-hmm. um I don't know if you remember this, but there was a very particular haunting image of a little boy in a red shirt that was washed ashore on a beach with his face down on the beach. Yes, yes, I actually do. And I remember when you are in a newsroom, there are hundreds of TVs. You are so desensitized, and I hate to say this, but you just are. It's just constant. You don't even look up half the time. You can see something awful, and you're just like, oh, okay, back down because I'm on a deadline. I'll never forget, I was at my desk, and in the middle of the day and all of a sudden I look up and there's this little boy face down on a beach in a red t-shirt and I had just given birth so I was a brand new mom okay and I remember it took my breath away I stopped I paused I stared at the tv and I just remember seeing on like the ticker Syrian refugee crisis like Turkish Turkey and I remember being like why don't I know about the Syrian refugee? What's going on with the Syrians? Like, huh? And I remember I got so into it. And I remember I was on my Facebook one night and a random GoFundMe popped up. And it was this random woman in California. She was a mother. She goes, hey, hey, moms, any of you see that awful image of the boy? I can't sleep at night. I don't know what I can do, but I want to raise $5,000 for baby carriers. Because if I'm a mom and I'm a refugee and I have to carry my two-year-old that I can't even carry anymore. Like they don't have carriers. So I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm just going to contribute. Was not even thinking story. Week later, I'm like, I wonder how that GoFundMe is doing. I clicked back in and the GoFundMe was at like $15,000. And I don't know what came over me. I'm getting the chills actually, because it's one of these moments where I don't know what came over me. I reached out to her and I would never do this normally. And I said to her, I'm a producer at the Today Show, I had no approval and you don't do this. Everything's hierarchy there. I said, I don't know who you are, but I need, I need to, she was collecting carriers and she was just going to go deliver them abroad. And I'm like, I need to be with you. I need to follow you. What are you doing? So we started talking on the phone and I'm like, I I need to embed myself with you. This is amazing. Because she was bringing all these American women that did not know each other, that all of a sudden cared about this random crisis that most people don't couldn't even locate Syria on a map, let alone care about people that are like leaving the country. And she made all these American, middle of America moms band together. I'm like, this is amazing. So I remember I went into work and I went to my boss marched in his office and I was like I had the best story and I'm like expecting him to like leap out of the chair he stares at me because and he just looks at me and he starts like laughing he goes no like no what are you talking about like like and I remember I was so taken aback like it was one of those moments where I was looking at him and I'm like I am not letting this go. And so I remember I'll, I've never done this before and he probably could have fired me for insubordination. So I went to my desk, I wrote an email and I 
wrote an email to the head of, so I was still doing digital work. So anyway, I wrote a letter, I wrote an email. My boss was copied on it. It was to the head of digital. And then I put his boss mm. on this email who ran the network. And I wrote an email and I'm like, hi. I said, I have an amazing story. I said, you know, being a news organization, this is, this is exactly what we're here to do, right? Public service. I said, here's the story. Here's what I'm willing to do. I don't care how it gets done, but like, I will do whatever it takes. This story needs to be told. My boss doesn't want it for the show, but I would think somewhere in this company, this story has a home. Within two minutes, the head of digital goes, this is amazing. Whatever you want, like, we'll take it. If you'll do this, we'll take it. My boss writes me an email. He goes, get back in my office. I thought I was going to get fired. And I walked, because I put his boss on it. And his Yeah, boss, I know. I get it. And so, um, who, by the way, is like still there. Uh, both, they're all there. They're all still there. And so I, I came back into his office and he goes, um, first of all, never do that again. And he goes, second, I will let you do this story, but you're not getting any talent. I'm like, perfect. I don't want some talent flying in first class from like London, you know, to be like standing in a refugee camp right. reporting live. I'm like, fine. I'm like, I, I was like pregnant. I'm like, I will do it myself. So I did convince him to let me have one of my colleagues who, who had some UN experience and the two of us went. And anyway, my, my point is, the way that I framed it to him and the way that he saw it, he, he eventually got it and he understood. And it ended up, I won an M. I mean, I was flown to LA with like all the popular kids. Like it, it, I won an award. Like it was on every single network. It was picked up by Huffington Post. It was picked up by Upwork. And then I actually went again when I was seven and a half months pregnant to another refugee camp later that year as a follow-up. Cause these, what ended up happening was these bands of women, these mothers formed a non-for-profit that still exists today. And because they were on the Today Show and they were exposed, they catapulted. So the power of also the power of media, like, you know, whatever you, Today Show maybe doesn't have the reach it did, but all those shows like are, you know, invaluable exposure. Um, so anyway, but the only reason is because of the way I angled the story with the mothers, American women, caring, we all have a universal language, doesn't matter where you're from, we can all put ourselves in the shoe when you see those pictures of parents carrying their kids across boats, it's like you want to die. So that's how I did it, angled it for the audience at hand. Absolutely. And, and I mean, that's such an e not easy way, but like, you, it's clear to see the empathy there when you just zero in on that moment of carrying your kid, like it's, it's, it's e like how you're saying in the newsroom, it's easy to like see it and just yes. not really look at it. Right. Oh, I know. But, but, but zeroing in on that specific moment, like, no picture yourself. This is your child. I mean, and, and just something small, like, you know, how hard it is just to carry your baby up and down the stairs. And so thinking, think about it when you're like, fleeing a country well it's um, universal. and i feel like you've touched on this before too you know i always say to people like if you're struggling with something you know just the other day a woman is has she was she's a doing a keynote on a stage in front of 150 white dudes white tech dudes right she is not a white tech dude and she was struggling because she's like i'm doing this speech and i don't even know how to start so i said to her all right you're not them. You're not a white tech dude. Doesn't matter. I said, but let's think about their journey. Let's think about like, if they're in the room, what they've had to do to probably get there. And we ended up on, you know, a, a certain type of struggle that she had that probably most people in that room could relate to. So again, it's like finding the one universal connector of emotion. There's certain emotions every human being has, no matter how rich, poor, what race you are, what country, whatever. And if you can hone in on that, which in this case of, this, of the refugee story is that every parent loves their child, no matter where you're from. And every parent would do not anything you could to protect your child from danger. So if you could bring that to the level of, of, of that parent instinct emotion, then that's how you can get other people from the other side to understand and care about the Syrian refugee crisis. Like, so that's, that's why stories are so powerful, right? It's, it's, it's the, the using universal emotions to really make other people that might not care, care. 
So when did when did you feel the call to make this shift and go in like launching out on on your own? <laughs> um, it was not conscious. Let's just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never aspired to be an entrepreneur. I never aspired okay. to run a business. This is like total random chapter in my life. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was at the Today Show, living high. I was on maternity leave with my second kid because I had the, I went back twice. So I was seven and a half months pregnant, had my baby, went on leave, and actually, I got into Snapchat. Remember Snapchat? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the intern Phoebe at CNN, she's like, "You'd be really good on Snapchat." I'm like, "I'm a mom. No one cares about this." And lo and behold, because I was so you know, I was maternity leave is like not a vacation. I was like, "I'm," but like I need to be creative. I'm like, "I'm so bored." Um. I started getting into Snapchat and this random person who used to be at the New York times was following me on Snapchat. And he reached out to me on LinkedIn. He goes, this is insane. He goes, I'm not your target audience. He goes, but I cannot stop watching your videos. He goes, can you come and run our video team? I need to meet you. And so on maternity leave, I ended up getting recruited from this start uh, from a media startup, a bunch of like they're still around. Um, they, it was sort of at the time when no one knew Facebook was like inflating views and everyone wanted to get into video. Like yeah. it was like peak Buzzfeed, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. 39 billion views, you know, and like advertisers are salivating because they're like, oh my God, I have 39 billion views. It's like we, little, now we know like, no, but right. I, that was that time. And so I, it was this I went to my boss on maternity leave because, you know, it's a small industry. You don't want to burn bridges. I was like, oh, I was like, this is what they're offering me. He's like, go. <laughs> He's like, get out. He's like, go do something. Like, tell us all your tales of like learning, you know, new things. So awesome. I ended up going to the startup and it was an absolute disaster. It was the worst professional experience. It crushed me. Of oh. Yeah, it was like one of these like life changing moments like sliding doors it was not the plan my husband had left his job to take a risk so I was like the health insurance I was, I was living in New York City to a baby and a toddler it was really scary and I and I remember like my life just kind of flashed and so I kind of had a decision at the top of 2017 do I go back to corporate America but honestly, I had no esteem I was so low that yeah. the thought of even being in a chair, and interviewing and having to explain to someone like why I'm the best person, I would have been like, you know what? No, I like just passed me by. Like I was just that low where it was just, it's amazing how quickly, like 120 days prior, I was in LA, like getting an award on stage with like all these like fancy TV people. And literally four months later, I, I, I was like a shell of a human, you know, just so, couldn't even mm. make a decision because all of my decision capable it's like my processing was so oh off. yeah I everything is all everything is all i couldn't even like someone would be like what do you you know do, do you want sushi or do you want pasta i'd be like i i, I it's like it was really like that it became that basic where i'm like i, I don't trust anything that i do because this environment was so toxic and so you know, the Today Show is such a wonderful place to be, and NBC, it really is. It's a really great people, smart. They, yeah, sure, it's competitive, but like no one's like no one's shady. This was a whole other bag of goods. I was not equipped. I was just like so Pollyanna, and so um, it didn't end, it didn't end very well for me. So I ended up like I essentially get I ended up getting laid off, and yeah. yeah, and so that's that's kind of when this new chapter arose where. I had a friend that had a startup and he's like, do you want to make a video for me? And I was just like, I had nothing. I was like, okay. I knew how to shoot video. I knew how to edit. I knew how to write, but I was not thinking this was a business. I was like, let me get my esteem back into top shape. And then when my esteem is good, then I'm going to go back and interview for TV jobs or whatever that is, the media. I'm going to get back into the media world but I gotta, I just have to make some money. I have to get some income coming in. I had a bit of a severance from this, which I think is important to mention. So I had like three months of health insurance, basically. So I kind of had like three months, right? To kind of get my esteem in shape, get, figure it out. But, you know, as life does, you know, that job turned into another job and then another job. And then 
and then all of a sudden you're like in it and, and, and then, you know, and here I am, you know, five years later. So my, my company has changed a lot. And what I do is sure. that's the, that's the origin story of it, of like how I got into entrepreneurship. It was totally not intentional. What is the difference, uh, if any, uh, in, in brand storytelling and the type of storytelling that you learned to do at the Today Show? What's the difference between the brand storytelling? Like it, 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 like approach, model, structure. Is there a difference or is it the same thing? You're trying to move people emotionally or is there, you know, are there different ways you approach it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's, a, it's an interesting question because the industry has changed a lot. Um, Fair. So I remember, so this startup job I took, Mm-hmm. my job was actually, I was working with brands. I had never been on the brand side of storytelling right. because, you know, you're an editorial and it's sacrilegious to go to the other side. I mean, it was very, the line and the sand right. was still very hardly driven back in 2016. It was changing a bit, but you, you had commercials and ads and then mm-hmm. you had editorial storytelling. They did not mix. And honestly, I hate to say this because it's such an overused example, but it was truly brilliant. You know, the Dollar Shave Club that video launched a thousand chips. That was one of the first videos that had the reach that all of a sudden people were like, am I watching an ad? Because this is the most entertaining story and video. By the way, he used to work at NBC. Um, This is the most, it, it like blew people. I remember when it came out, I remember like my mind was blown and I was like, holy cow. And that was like right around that period. I think I was like, I, I don't remember the exact date, but it was percolating around that, that time period. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I went into this startup job and my role was to kind of lead the video team, but it, the role changed. So I was thrust into the brand side. I'd be working, I'd be sitting at the table with like Unilevers and like these big CPG brands. And they'd be talking about the stories they wanted to tell. I'd be like, this is, this is horrible. I remember being like, this is horrible. Like, this is the worst. This is not a story. It is a straight up ad. No one's going to care about this. No one's going to watch it. But they were coming from such a marketing point of view that they were in. They had blinders on. So it was only about the product and how they can push the product. It was not actually about the experience of who had a big sit through this awful story. It's not even a story. This video that you're making them watch. But I remember the wheel started turning a little bit because I remember I would be giving suggestions and I'd be writing scripts and they'd be like, oh my God, this is, I was just writing scripts like I would, like I was at the Today Show, like editorial, like I won't, I, you're not selling anything at the Today Show. You're like you're, you can't, you're like you actually cannot. So you had to actually write a story. And even if you, there was a product involved, you could never lead with the product. So mm-hmm. at the time I remember thinking like, why don't they just let, people at the Today Show, right? Their, their ads, like it would be amazing, but not thinking that actually that's what I would do. And so I think the answer to your question is it's changed now. And I actually think that the industry has caught up to probably what a lot of journalists and producers were already doing in their day jobs, um, which is telling stories in an entertaining way, hooking people off the bat, making sure it has a beginning, a middle and an end, making sure there's a payoff to the audience, making sure that there's an emotional connector, all those things that you are naturally doing or taught to do as a producer or journalist, you know, now brands understand that. And so now if you, that's why when you see a commercial now and it's really bad, it almost stands out even more because I think the content and the storytelling has really infiltrated brand world in a positive way. So I actually think the world now that I was in, you know, five, six, seven years ago, it actually mirrors the brand stuff that I do now in a much bigger way than even it did a couple years ago. That was a really roundabout way, but Mm -mm. No, I love I love what you said, and it's such a good point. And honestly, <clears throat> I think it's the first time it's been made that clearly on the show. Uh, it's very very true, and and I'm here for it. And I think people like you and I probably are. But um, uh, I love that it's changed uh, in in that direction. Um, let's talk about video a little bit. Yeah, or a little bit more uh, straightforwardly, because um, I know that's a big part of of your platform and what you do and your approach to storytelling as is it is with me as well. Uh, why, 
why is it such a powerful tool? Let's start there. So, okay. So there's two different hats here, um, right? There's, there's, and I'm going to take it from the perspective of solopreneur hat because I, I'm Lovely. guessing yeah. that most of, you know, your audience is probably in that vein or they're running a, a side hustle or they're close. Yeah. Um, look, small business owners need to take all the unfair advantages in my opinion, right? We don't have large marketing budgets. We don't have the luxury of just like, oh, I want to do that. So I'm just going to hire for that, especially in the beginning. And if you're honestly, if you're just smart business person, you have to take on a lot of that work in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, you just have to, right? I mean, it, like people that have a lot of money and, and put a lot of money at things, that doesn't mean you're going to be successful. So the more you understand about doing the work, then you're actually able to better outsource. But that's another conversation. So for me, the video part just comes at a very economic level. Like mm -hmm. video is a really great way to even the playing field with the bigger players. So if I'm a small business owner and I am able to succinctly get on video and say something that speaks to the people that I'm trying to attract and they think like, like you're in my head a lot, Rain, like, you know, you're speaking to me, like, you know, I, you know, I don't know you at all, but your TikTok videos, I saw you and I binged you. I was like down the rabbit hole, right. For a good half an hour, saving your videos, like just feeling validated, like, oh my God, like I say similar things. Like, that's awesome that someone else in this world is like saying similar things. And I don't even know them. And I found them because of your videos. Like, so I think in seeing someone's face and hearing someone's voice, it's really easy to hide behind a post. It's easy to put one photo up and it could be, you could be having the worst day of your life. You could be having a huge fight with your husband, but you put up a, a video of picture and you put a caption and that, and that picture takes on a new meaning. It's a lot harder to do that with video when it's you speaking. It's harder yeah. to actually not be, you know, sure. Can people be fake and not real? Sure. But it a, takes a lot more work not to, to be your normal self. So as a result, the people that are able, small business owners that are able to get on video and talk and share their perspective and share their insights and bring value to their people you are now able to rally a loyal community and that mm -hmm. is what all the big brands want. Just to give you a little bit of insight, because remember I have another side of my business where I just work with brands. It's amazing how many times I will have marketing teams asking me what's going on on social, what's going on on Instagram? Like who's, who's, who's killing it in your world? <laughs> what are they doing? The big brands want to act like us. Yeah. Yeah. Us, especially in the beginning, we try to be bigger than we are. We try to be like, oh, we, or let me, let me, let me have info at Patrice Pulser Creative get back to you. And it's like, oh, that's just me and another email. Like I always tell people when you're starting out, like, do not try to be bigger than you are because the big brands, they want your secret sauce because the bigger you get, the further and further you actually get away from your bottom line of the people that are like your, your people. We we're so lucky. Like we are, we're with, we're like rubbing elbows, like the big brands, yep. what they're trying, they're spending all this money Man. to do that, to actually replicate that. That's yep. why video is so important. It's like, you're not using video. You are leaving such an unfair advantage that only you have on the table. And you can't do that when you're small business. It's got it. You got to use everything smartly and it's free. <sighs> Incredible point. Um, and 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 you're right. I think it is changing, and I'm I'm glad it's changing. But you're right. A lot of us still kind of by default try to emulate bigger brands or whatever, and don't realize the the strength, the value that we have, and just like being ourselves. Um, that that whole thing about like we here at you know whatever. That's God. That is so good. <laughs> right. Um, but but you're right. You too in the beginning. Like oh, all of us. Listen, yeah. that's why it's so funny because we all did it, and many yeah. of us still do. And it's no shame to them. But it's like you're. That's why the point is so incredible that you made. And now when I listen to it and look at the the world and culture and how it's changing, just like what you just established about the, you know, editorial versus ads kind of like coming together. Now there's this power in the solopreneur as we've already used that word, right? There's this power of smaller brands now. Uh, 
And I think it's easy for them to overlook that when you're getting started because you are doing so much. You're wearing so many hats. Um, But there's a lot of power in that. So this leads me to another uh, question I think people struggle with in that vein. Um, This is for the people who they're they're new. They know they need to use video. They're trying to get out there and do the things that you're telling them to do. They're struggling with these these are all kind of cliche but for a reason you know being authentic you know establishing their brand voice whatever you want to call it being comfortable on camera they're all kind of jumbled in there together so do you have any practical tips for people to get comfortable just being themselves because now we've established that there's power in that right stop trying to be this be you right and you resonate with my stuff because I'm me and look, we, we know that we have similar journeys. So it's like, Hey, I vibe with him. I felt the same way when you, you first reached out to me. Uh, And even more so now that we've had this conversation, but I know people struggle with this. I hear it all the time. So any tips for those people when it's just like, how do I show up and just, and do that? I I hear you on paper. It makes sense. I know. How do I do it? I get it. And, 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 And I will, and I empathize with this greatly because let's just put it into perspective you know, I started my business at the top of 2017. And at first my business was purely video making. So I had shooters, I have editors, brand comes to me, we make you video and that's it. Mm-hmm. Then at the top, you know, then COVID hits, right? Mm-hmm. And all my production stopped. So and I'm pregnant with my third kid. I'm still in New York. <laughs> Listen, wait, wait, let's pause. How come every time the shit hits the fan, right? you're pregnant? I know, I know. It's like, so, I never, oh my God, and I never made that connection. I'm Every time your your journey takes, you know, it's a roller coaster, right? There's ebbs and flows. And every time it ebbs, you're like, I was seven months pregnant. I know. My poor, my poor third baby is the only one that has older siblings because he's born in 2020. And no one in 2020 who had other kids was like getting pregnant. It's like, right. no way. Correct. It was your Correct. first time. First time, sure. Not yeah. your third time. Right. So anyway, so I remember my production stopped. Pregnant with my third kid. I was like, oh shit. Like, here we go again. Like, you know, panic mode. I'm like, what am I? And also I'm like, I don't want to be running the like shoots with like a tripod and five backpacks when I'm like 80. Like I was already thinking like, this is not sustainable for me anyway. I'm always, I'm going to set like, like, this is, this is not the entrepreneurial dream, you know? So I, I remember being like, okay, um, I gotta, I gotta pivot a little bit in my business. And I remember someone said to me, why aren't you you know, this is like a cliche term now, but like, why aren't you monetizing your knowledge? I'm like, what the, what the heck does that mean? You know, I, and they're like, why aren't you teaching? I'm like, I, I'm not a teacher, number one. Like, why aren't you teaching other people like about video? And I'm like, because I'm not a teacher anyway. But I remember I kept thinking about what this woman was saying to me. And I remember she's like, you are missing a trick here. And she's like, you are, you don't even see this. Like, you know, this, so this whole online world of selling and this whole online world of programs and coaching, I had never heard of that. I'd never heard of Amy Porterfield. I'd never heard of Maria Ford. That was, I mean, this is only in 2020. I was, I truly was like, did not, I was so not in that world. I didn't right. know Stu or God. And now I'm like, oh my God, could not tell you these people like from Adam, right? But she, she sparked something. She showed me this possibility of people online and teaching and and I remember being like oh my god and I remember saying she said to me you why aren't you using your Instagram for your work at the time it was like look at my cute kid on the bridge with a pretzel you know like hashtag blessed like it was just it was personal like it was not I never even thought of using my Instagram for marketing or anything I'm like I'm not I didn't even talk about my business and I remember I was, I was low. I was COVID. I was making no money. I'm like, I got to make a change. And so I remember I, I started all of a sudden, like overnight, just started getting on my Instagram. And I was, it took me seven months. I'm not joking you seven months. Cause I remember I was pregnant. So I was like pregnant this whole time. It wasn't until after the summer that I started getting on video. I would do posts, you know, I do like posts. I'd be like, Oh, like, be your own boss. I mean, I was, I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. But I remember I was so scared to get on camera and open my own mouth because of all the things. And I came from TV. I came from doing this for a living. I did this with brands, yet I could not get up myself because I had all the same thoughts of like, 
people are going to think I'm weird. And what do I have to contribute? I don't know. I was just a TV. Like, what does that have to do with showing people how to do stuff? Like, so I have such empathy for people that are afraid to get on video. Cause even though I came from that world, I went through the same hurdles and the only way that I got through that. And this is such a boring ass response, but it's the truth is I committed three times a week, three times a week. I was going to get on my stories and I, even though I wanted to die and I felt so dumb and I felt like a fraud, I was going to just get on and I was going to give a tip, one tip about anything, you know, I was going to give um, a little baby personal story about maybe like my corporate life. And then I was going to talk about um, a, like a client. And I did that religiously for months and lo and behold, you just start to get better. It's like anything you do. It's like, I was really bad at first. And then after about three, four months, I got into a groove. I found my voice. I found what people were responding to. I took energy and momentum from the DMs I was getting. Even if it was like, even if I had 10 views, if I had one person saying, oh my God, this was so useful. I just took that as a sign to keep on going. And so that is just everything in life in this journey is like, you just have to like be willing to be really bad at it at first and just know that everyone starts bad. Like even in the today show, you have these people like that are on air every single day. And yet, do you know how many times they practice the good morning? They probably practice the hello, good morning. It's Monday, April 12th, 2022. They rehearse that three or four times before they go live. The good morning, hello. And these are people at the top of their game. People at the top of their game never stop practicing. They never start, stop learning. And that is why they're at the top of their game. So it's not like if you're starting fresh and you are comparing yourself to someone that has been doing this day in and day out for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And years. Guess what? You only know about them when they started probably hitting that tipping point of explosion. You were not watching them when no one was watching them or like myself, when like my mom would be like, can you just go back to posting photos of your, of like my grandbabies? Like, I, I don't care about your video. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, you just have to like long game, long picture, where do you want to be? And you're gonna get better. You just will. It's impossible to not get better, but you're gonna be bad for at least three to six months. And that's cool. That was so incredible. That was so incredible. I'm like furiously trying to write notes, uh, <clears throat> notes and quotes. I mean, um, you, I feel like I want to ask you, like I, you are, which is probably another conversation. I don't want to cut off your question, but like, never, sorry, go ahead. No, what this is, listen, just like yeah, stories, no, this I, is a two way. <laughs> it's like, you are so brilliant and consistent. And God. that is, no, no, I'm serious. You're really consistent. And that is the hardest thing about this. It's not actually well, being, I think, quote unquote, good. Design isn't, good. It's, isn't this a this is a, such a bug out like how the brain works, right? Like you just said that word, and and the way I view myself, the story I tell myself, right, is that I really struggle with that, and it's just so bizarre. And I don't know who's right, me or you, but it's just funny how far the the narrative the stories can be like you just use that word and i'm like damn i can't ever be consistent so thank first of all thank you for saying that but it's just a little moment in psychology where it's just like literally what i'm telling myself is you suck at consistency and then i have someone else who just said that i was quote unquote brilliant i just wanted to throw that word out there again um i'm still an artist babe i'm still i'm still i still have an ego um so, uh, and listen, I'm happy to talk, like we can go live on something. We can just chat, uh, off to the side. Like I'm so glad we finally like officially made this connection. Cause we've been kind of like circling around each other for a while. Um, I just want to make a comment. I always like the way I interview and this is how I do my documentaries as well. And what I kind of love about my whole process is like, the themes just naturally start to emerge. And the one for me in this conversation that I've seen, uh, the themes naturally emerge through the conversation. It's like you, you, and it, this is your journey specifically, but also in stories and also in other people's journeys. Like what I've heard through this conversation today is that it's all about these, like sometimes small, but these significant moments. Mm -hmm. Right. And for you, it's these very, 
significant moments where you fought, you followed your heart. I know that's cliche, but it's so true. And, and, and each one of these like pivotal moments of you trusting yourself and just like kind of just going into that, mm -hmm. that, that tough challenge that you just talked about has proven to be uh, successful for you. And it doesn't mean that, it, that there don't continue to be the ebbs to go with the flows because you, like you said, you've had this high with the today show and then it went back down again. It came back up and then COVID hit. And, but this is the point, right? Because we all are going to, to deal with that. And the point yeah. is the long game, right? Yeah. And so you have this, it's kind of like a dual theme in this conversation where this, this, the long game is so, so true. But when you have those moments where you feel that thing and it's often followed by a feeling of fear, then maybe that's an indicator yeah, you know, just 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 following your heart there, and yep. and it's taking advantage of those moments. Uh, I think it's what you just ended on is like a perfect place to end the conversation for today. I want to ask one thing, just a small question before we go. Yeah. Um, you know, we're here at the new year, like we talked about before we started recording. We both just came back from vacations, and we're kind of like just starting to get the wheels turning again. Is there something or what are you specifically trying to focus on this year? This could be personally or professionally that maybe adjusts or changes from last year. Could be doing more of what happened uh, successfully last year. But yeah, like what's where's your mind at? Like, what are you ex what are you excited about for this coming year? Yeah, um, no, it's a really great. It's a really good question, because, as you know, when you run your own thing, you have all the choices in the world, right? And, and 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 actually, the challenge I think of running your own thing is where to focus and and what path to go down and what path not to go down. Because I've gotten stuck where I'm down a path, and it's actually it's it's not the right path. And right. If you don't course correct, or if you don't pivot out of it, you get yourself in a real tizzy. And you know, I think that's why a lot of businesses don't really make it because it's like failure to pivot or failure to kind of recognize the red flags. Um, and so as a business owner, yeah, it's always kind of reevaluating. So I think for me this year, um, you know, last year was a big transition year, you know, like last year was the first year that I started running higher ticket, intimate live programs. So I, where I work with small groups of entrepreneurs for like 12 week period and I get real into their business and we create video and we create founder stories. And it's, it's like very, you, it's like a lot of you, right? You're in these yeah. lives in the business, you know, we're crafting their founder story, which quite often, you know, founder stories can start from childhood. And, you know, a lot of them have, you know, lots of things happen. And I didn't know if I was going to like it. And, and I loved it. Right. So that was like a, okay, signal green. But I also realized that because you're developing so much time, I wasn't able to like do other things and you have to keep cash flow coming in. Well, for me this year, I really am focused on, it's funny when you said keynote, I've, I've never been on a stage before to speak. And so I just, cause I'm constantly, you know, look, I ask people to invest in my programs and, you know, I think you, we, I am always investing in myself as well. So I recently signed up for, um, like a, a 10 week program where it teaches you how to write a keynote and it teaches you how to do that uh, type of speaking. I can do short form videos. I can do that, but like a 20 minute, 25, like that's more your world. Like that's not my world. So I'm curious. So I want to learn more about how to tell a story and keep someone engaged for like 15 minutes. And the other thing is um, I want to start getting more into like um, corporate, you know, I do a lot of work with solopreneurs and I love it. But I also want, you know, I'm starting to like, you know what, let's get out in the real world. I'm so behind a computer all the time. I'm like, you know what, like it's time to like get out back, like get, mm -hmm. you know, with people in like yes. groups and like, important. which is scary. It's sometimes it's easier to be like, oh, I'm going to do a Zoom workshop and cool. But I'm challenging myself this year to get out in the open and like put myself out there. It's, it, it's really scary. And also to, to TikTok, you're like, yes, um, just expanding, expanding audiences, you know, Instagram is my mm -hmm. home and I love it, but I'm like, you know, you gotta, it's like about reaching, there's more people that I could help and they, they have no idea that I even exist. So I need to do <laughs> Let's yeah, let's let them know. You heard it here, folks. Patrice is now available for speeches at your conferences and meetings and events. <laughs> Listen, um, 
thank you so much. I, 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 I feel like I could talk to you for a long time and I hope that we do. I sincerely mean that. I hope we yeah. like stay connected. And if you have any questions, like I'm fully and always available for that sort of stuff, but I, I feel like it will be like a mutually beneficial thing where we're kind of sharing oh. wins and, and, and tips and techniques along the way, or I hope it will be at least. 100%. And I want to say, you know, to you too, like keep on doing what you're doing. I mean, I literally found you on TikTok and I, was just down your content, you know, and I save it and I, I your new, I have, I have like a saved folder in my Gmail for all like the newsletters that I like and yours is in there. Like, you know, you inspire me to keep doing things and you like make me excited for my own work. So it's just a reminder to yourself that even if you're Thank in you. your own silo and you're in your, you know, yeah. whatever, your little bubble, like yeah. you are affecting other people people and you're making me excited to do my work and so that's awesome so that's why like thank you like what you're doing is really awesome uh thank you it's really easy to like deflect when somebody says things like that right like no you're great uh but i can't tell like i'm honestly like feeling emotional right now like it's seriously means so much to hear that from someone who like i consider a peer right i mean it means a lot from anybody but like that that means a lot coming from you thank you sincerely thank you for saying that all right well have a great day and happy new year happy new year my name is rain bennett thanks for listening if you enjoyed that episode do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast if you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it we love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show that's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show and if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show please please share it with them the more we grow the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more at sixsecondstories.com and purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or rainbennett.com slash sixsecondstories. 